Could Guardians of the Galaxy be Marvel Studios' most riskiest film? I'm Mike. I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Popcorn, this is the Foul Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. This just released here in the UK, a day before the American audience, Whoop again. It's a, tra- it's a tasty treat for giving them such big tax breaks. <laughs> I didn't look at it that way. We'll yeah. save you hundreds of thousands of pounds of, revenue, of taxpayer money if you just give it us one day before the Americans so we can sit in a smug satisfaction knowing things that they don't know. Yeah, it's like, this is our this is our payback. It's like, we get to know exactly what goes on in the post credit sequence a day before them so we See, can spoil it online. I don't even like to tell them that. I just like to know it. And they know that I know it. And that gives me enough satisfaction to get me through the week. It's a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the post credit scene, we will be discussing that later on in the show. Not right now. We're going to try and remain as spoiler-free as possible for about half of the episode, and the other half is going to be all spoilers. And, yeah, we, we really want to talk about what happened in the movie, so just, you know, give us that, and we'd be happy. So if you're listening for the high-pitched spoiler alert, that will be your cue to maybe turn it off for the week. Don't blame us if you choose to play one and have everything spoiled for you. That is not our fault. Yes. But by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be out worldwide, so, you know... You kind of know what you should be getting in for, because yeah. everybody has the possibility of seeing it. Somebody will have spoiled it before we do. Yeah. It's very much, it's very unlikely you're going to get to this point and not have anything spoiled for you. It's very unlikely. So, anyway, so first impressions of the film, I kind of felt like from the second Star-Lord dances into frame, it's kind of like James Gunn, the entire creative force, the cast just kind of go, don't, don't worry guys, we've got this. Yeah, it was it was very... Nerve settling to begin with. What? Having said that, that's not the true opening of the movie. No, I think we're gonna have to turn that in the spoilers section. Yeah, but that was probably one of the. Well, is it really? Is it really a spoiler? I need to clarify something before I say, is it really a spoiler? Um, I'm kind of one of the biggest Guardians fans I know. As in, like, it's my favorite run of comics ever. He's also one of the only Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy fans that he does know. Yeah, that's going to change very soon. I have a prediction. But, yes. Um, regardless. Carry on. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, we'll talk about the proper opening, but to be honest, it is part of the character history, to be completely honest. Okay. So, if you want to discuss that now, we'll discuss that now. I'd rather leave that for a little bit later, because it's it's not something someone could have picked up from a trailer. That's so, true. so let's let's leave that for a little bit. But yeah, the, 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 uh, the dancing opening, the, um, the real kind of opening of the movie, lets you know that, don't worry, kids... There's going to be fun here. This isn't the Dark Knight Rises. Um, <laughs> please, Batman, can we please have some hope? Can we please have some joy? Can we please have one <laughs> brief taste that everything is going to be okay and not terrible? <laughs> and not everything is terrible and then you die a gritty, <laughs> realistic death? <laughs> no, instead you get, hey, check out that chick, she's pink! Yay! <laughs> oh, that's joyous that's what the film was to me though it was joyous it was a, just a celebration of we can do what we want we're far so far away from the locking down of like we have to get all of these characters shoved into the marvel universe we have to shoehorn in the mention of doctor strange here we've got to you know get we've got to get somehow get quicksilver and scarlet which sod it put him in the crater <laughs> no luckily cosmic marvel has that kind of leniency can just play fast and loose with all of these c-listers and d-listers and that's what makes the movie work See, I have now have this vision of, do you know when Mr. Burns on The Simpsons goes to find out what's wrong with him? And he says that all the illnesses in his body are just kind of beating each other out <laughs> to get through the door. That's how I now imagine Josh Whedon trying to explain <laughs> all the characters in Age of Ultron. It's like we've got all the normal Avengers, we're riding Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and The Vision, and maybe Miss Marvel. And we've got these people, we're going to add Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in there, and they just can't quite fit through the door at one time. We call it Three Stooges Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, it's a very much a disconnected film. It's it's one or two things give it very tenuous links back to what has already been established in the Marvel Universe. But this is really kind of two hours off from rigid continuity, really. And this is one of the things I said was its strength before I even watched the movie. Because, no, this doesn't speak for you, but it speaks for what I feel is kind of the majority now that I knew 
stuff about Thor. I knew stuff about Iron Man. Not a lot. It wasn't like I'm not up on Thor like I'm on Spider-Man, for example. I knew absolutely nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely nothing that I hadn't already gleaned from trailers and the tiny bit of research I'd done kind of coincidentally. I think that was his biggest strength because I'm going to guess there's some things they did for characterization in this movie that maybe irked you a little bit because it's not what came before in the comic books. I didn't know that. They could have been messing stuff up left, right and centre. I wouldn't know. It meant I had two hours off from concentrating, thinking and nitpicking. And I think that was to the, the film's betterment overall. Funnily enough, though, the, like the, the actual meat of the movie and all of the little side nods and little tiny details gave... Yeah, I agree. This is the best film for people who kind of aren't really interested in the Marvel movies to go and watch and have a bit of time off from it. And even if you are massively into the books, it's still a movie you should go and see because it gets so much right. And that's in the kind of weird cross-section it does sort of sit in, in that it can do a heck of a lot of things fast and loose, and it can also do a heck of a lot of things to the book. And people who aren't fans and people who read every single issue 50 times a day can also enjoy the film. And that's what's kind of the biggest triumph of the movie, is that it manages to do that at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. And it does, I mean, like you said, there there are certain, I mean, coming from a super fan, there are some things about the characters that aren't 100% as is in the book. But is that a deal breaker for you at any one point? Absolutely not. Awesome. That's what was good about the movie. I knew stuff was being messed around with with the film, and I didn't care. I still enjoyed it. Okay, because I do think having a property like this, James Gunn had... There were some things he was going to have to hit. He was going to hit the names the same, the look roughly the same. Blah, blah, blah. But it's not like, example, to go back to the Spider-Man example, if you do a Spider-Man movie, like at least an Origins one, Uncle Ben has to die. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> he always died. Uncle Ben has to die. Um, Peter Parker has to be some way responsible for it. He has to get bitten by the spider. There has to be Mary Jane and or Gwen Stacy. Um, he has to have a crisis of confidence at some point and eventually he has to overcome. There always has to be some sad things. Da, 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 da. James Gunn maybe had like three bullet points. Of, right, these are things to do with comic continuity that you will have to hit. Then there's going to be some bullet points he's going to have to hit for film continuity, and then it's like blank piece of paper. Go and make me an entertaining movie. You are exactly right. The thing about making an Origins movie for this particular group of Guardians, it would have been impossible to do one for one because where they sit in the comics, this may or may not be a spoiler alert is slap-bang in the middle of an event called Annihilation, which was a big Cosmic Marvel event where, you know, essentially what was happening was like a huge war, a huge fantastic fight. And these characters, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Groot, Rocket, were all in different places. Groot actually is the oldest of all the characters, was introduced as like a Thor villain, I think. Mm -hmm. And then he was never used again, and then they just kind of went, well, we'll just put him over here in space. And that was fun. Rocket had already been used, Star-Lord had already been used, Gamora was kind of newish, and Drax they actually rewrote, uh-huh. which was really interesting. Uh, but in Annihilation, they just they brought them together through their victims of circumstance, essentially. Yes. Um, again, you can't set up a, a cosmic Marvel universe, and the first thing that'd be happening is a genre, like a universe-defining event. Mm-hmm. What they did do really well was taking that whole these guys have nothing to do with each other at point A. And by point B, they are family. Right. And that was really good. And that's yeah. what really worked, even though the whole, you know, going after the orb uh, and, you know, the events that follow on from that, not in the comics. Details, yeah. Definitely yeah. there. And they were done really well. Awesome. Well, let's start touching on those characters. Um, where would you like to start? Let's should we start? Th- should we start in descending order and kind of go from Chris Pratt down? Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, now, Chris Pratt... You've started to have some um, contact with him in Parks and Recreation. Yeah. I've immediately not seen all the series, but I've seen more than, than you have. I've seen the first two series. And I I was in kind of two minds. I was like, I know he's funny. And this is, I knew going in it was going to be at least partly a, a, a comedy. I was like, I know he can bring the funny. But I was like, he's kind of like this kind of dorky, kind of chubby, Never, I've never seen him be serious or anything. So I worried whether he's going to be able to bring the gravitas when the the switch needed to be flipped. It's a very hard skill to have something be, someone be so funny and then all of a sudden they'll be serious. Like 
for all of the, how good a character it was, Captain Jack Sparrow never really got the balance right. He was really, really funny. Then he tried to do something heroic and serious, and it felt wrong. Yeah, it, it didn't gel well. Um, I think for the most part, he got it down pretty well. For first off, he's jacked. Oh God, he yeah. is huge. <laughs> like you only see him with his top off like once, I think, when he's in having, the prison. Yeah, yeah, in the prison scene, and I, I feel now unfortunate for him that he put on so much like. Wait and got so defined for one shot for one scene when he's bright orange <laughs> and no one will be paying attention but yeah he um he wasn't the biggest surprise of the cast in fact he was one of the least surprising ones but yeah yeah because we kind of we already enjoyed Chris Pratt now seeing him adopt the Star Lord um character which just <laughs> kind of felt like a natural progression of where he was going as an actor I feel yeah. it was kind of re- ready for him to make the jump from being you know chubby nerdy to actually really funny guy and now we've got action hero really funny guy and yeah. it works really 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 well what it sets up in terms of the character of Star-Lord from the book is interesting as well because that kind of the juvenile Star-Lord isn't something you see a lot of in the books mm-hmm. Star-Lord has to kind of assume a leader's role and I think by the end of the film we're starting to get a bit of that which is going to be really exciting for the upcoming sequel I will mm-hmm. say that but he was great I absolutely loved him the dancing was fantastic the whole plot thread with the Walkman, I yeah. adored it. I adored the way the, the music was brought into it. And it was a Star-Lord film that then, kind of by the end, wasn't a Star-Lord film. Like, the the opening shot, the title, him dancing away, I was like, this is the Star-Lord show. And then, like, another point in the film, I was like, oh, this is the Rocket show. I was like, yeah. oh, no, 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 it's the Groot show. No, it's the Drax show. That's, it, it got through everything so well. No. Well, okay. We'll move away from, from Starlord for a second, because I want to touch on Gamora before we touch on anything else. Okay. Because when I did my written review, which will be up on the thegutridgelog.co.uk at some point over the weekend. Cheeky plug. Smooth. Um, I said that... Right, Gamora, played by... Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana from Avatar and... And a series of other films. And <laughs> She was in some Guy Ritchie movie, but I can't remember which one it was. Rock and Roller. Wasn't she also in The Losers? She was in The Losers. Ooh, well done, Michael. Obscure really? comic book movie. Um, we went to see that. That was awful. Yeah. It had it had it had Chris Evans, Zoe Saldana, and the guy who played the comedian, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And it was still it bad. It was still bad. I don't know how that happens. Anyway, <laughs> I said she handles when comedy is called for. She handles that fine. When action is called for, she handles that fine. But I do kind of think in the middle of these kind of four really good standout performances, I do feel she got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Definitely. I think that has something to do with um, just kind of the character, and I don't think... It's the Wonder Woman debate for me. It's like, is Gal Gadot buff enough to play Wonder Woman? Gal Gadot? Is that how you pronounce it? Gal Gadot, isn't it? Gadot? He's got a T at the end. I don't know. So, so was Do they do silent T's? Yes. Anyway, name, we, a, name a word with a silent T. Godot, as in waiting for Godot. Let, we digress. We'll discuss this later. Is she buff enough to play Wonder Woman? No. Was she? Was Zoe Saldana buff enough to play Gamora? No. Was she believable as the character? Yeah, kind of. But the the character of Gamora, again, from a Guardian superfan, the character of Gamora is basically indestructible. Now, you can't do that in this movie because you've got a basically indestructible villain in the form of uh, Ronan the Accuser. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of felt like thematically for the story, you know, we have to cut some losses. We can't make an absolute ultimate badass, and it would be boring to have two monotone characters. Mm-hmm. It made sense. I like Saldana's version of Gamora. I think I probably would have preferred to see a little bit more of, you know, comic book continuity Gamora, but it was a happy medium. Okay. Well, that's, that's from the point of view of Superman. I think my criticism, it's not really a criticism, it's kind of bizarre. It's like. I don't really feel that she's done anything wrong. I just feel that everyone else did everything so right that it's kind of... She's not trailing behind by a mile. She's not like, you know, such a weak link that they couldn't then turn it around in the sequel. I think her problem was that she was basically the plot driving device. She kept the plot going and she would kickstart it and move it in this direction. She was kind of... She was the magical MacGuffin. In <laughs> but a remember the orb. Oh yes, we've got to stop being funny now. Like that's yeah, yeah. She, she she was there just to drive plot. That's never going to be the most interesting of characters. Hopefully, with her, with with this story out of the way, and they can kind of build up the characters in in the inevitable sequel. Hopefully, she can gain ground. Because again, she didn't do anything wrong. She was funny when she had to be. She could. She had good fight scenes. 
So that's those are done. Right, the now, surprising one, of course. Well, now we get to the which which one do you consider Let's the most surprising? Let's go for Drax first. The most okay. surprising of the lot. Hollywood Dave, <laughs> yep. as I like to call Dave Batista. Um, <laughs> people will know at this point that I am a wrestling fan. I hold a lot of grudges against Batista for things he has done in the wrestling world. So I went into this movie thinking, almost hoping that he did badly so that I could continue my vehement dislike of Dave Batista. You have to realise, right? If this was an actor, who would, who would he be if he was an actor? He's basically like Ben Affleck. Okay. Terrible. For years. Utter waste of time. All of a sudden, he hits a hot streak. Yeah. He hit this amazing hot streak. He had like a six-month run where he was entertaining. He had good matches. Awesome. Then he retired and went away. And then, then he went and got in this movie and back came Hollywood Dave. He came <laughs> in for a cup of tea and then he left again. So, again, I had these bad feelings built inside me. And I have to admit now, he was awesome he in was this really movie. He was really good. I hope... <laughs> Again, I know this sounds weird that I'm hoping that it wasn't just his performance. I'm hoping it was a really good script that dragged him through. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and limb and say he was the funniest character. Yeah. Or at least he had the funniest moments kind of around him. The funniest like, character moments like how the way that they'd written Drax to be uber serious. And that was all times, the yes. funniest thing. I meant to bring that up just as quickly. Is that something from the comic books or is that kind of an exclusive of this movie? It's half and half. The, okay. the whole motivation, and when you certainly get to see the human elements of each of the characters and they go through like the sad moments, that's when they nailed Drax. Like, absolutely nailed Drax. But I, I did like the way that they, they took it. I, I thought it was going to get a bit too, oh, Drax, da 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 like that sort of thing. <laughs> but no, it was done very well. It was done very subtly, and that's what made him funny, and probably one of the funniest characters. He was, and, and I knew he was going to be able to bring it in hand-to-hand combat, right? I, I, now, regardless of my thoughts towards him as a wrestler, he's a trained... He Wrestling is performance fighting on a nightly basis. Yes. If he was going to be able to do anything, it was going to be hand-to-hand combat. So he was really good. He was interesting in that aspect. And then he surprisingly brought the funny. So I came here like going, I really liked a Dave Batista performance. Or Bautista, as I think there's a U in it. When it's not wrestling. Yeah, his actual name is Bautista. Bautista. Not Bautista. That would be worse. Bautista. As in that. Oh, Bautista. Yeah. Oh, I love Bo Dallas. Oh, oh. Anyway, if we're not talking about Bo Dallas. One day. See, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I read more surprised by Drax of the Story than I was about Rocket, Rocket and Groot. Okay, so Rocket. I was set to hate him. I don't know why. Now, this is the thing. Rocket's one of my favourite characters from the books. Absolutely love him. Right. But, you know when you get a certain voice in your head of how you think a character on page would sound? Well, in the Lego game, he was he was a cockney. He was a cockney. Yeah. He's also been done as Australian, but he's never been done as American. So right. I was thought, when I first saw the footage and saw the trailers, and it was like, oh, it's American accent. I thought it would really bother me, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And the sarcastic dialogue was done beautifully. I really thought he was really well written. What I think I like most about it is that they would have known at some point during the script that he was being written as kind of the the golden goose of the um, of the. Okay, let's sell toys of this. Yeah, he was basically the Stewie Griffin. Yeah. Of the ensemble piece, they knew he was going to be popular. I like how much restraint they showed, because if you look at Pirates of the Caribbean again as an example, first film, Jack Sparrow is very much the supporting character to Orlando Bloom's lead. But then they very much become 50-50 split in... Dead Man's Chest. No, Dead Man... That's the second one. Yeah, that's the second one, because Black Pearl's first one, Dead Man's Chest. They're 50-50, and then Jack Sparrow is the lead character in... The third and the fourth movies, basically. At World's End, and he is the main character in uh, On Stranger Tides. So they they, that kind of ruined it, because... Lead actors and lead characters, by definition, have to be a little bit more boring than their supporting characters. Because you're going to spend more time with them, their quirks are going to get very irksome very quickly. So, whilst Rocket was prominent in the movie, they held back. He wasn't in every action scene. He wasn't, for example, the main thrust of the 
at the end action scene for the most part he that's was true kind actually, of, he yeah. was up, like, up until I mean we'll come into the spoilers in a minute, yeah, up yeah, until he, that bit up happens. until that bit happens but I mean they showed restraint and I really like that because I really like the character but I think if they would have gone full force at the expense of everything else I don't think we'd be as high on the movie as an ensemble piece at least no. as we are now now we come to my favourite character which I didn't expect which is Groot mm-hmm Groot was wonderful. I don't think I've ever had such strong emotions towards a CG character as I did for Groot. And it was really unexpected that... I I kind of knew that Groot was going to bring the muscle. That's Mm -hmm. what he is. And when Groot kind of lets loose and fights, it's awesome. But Groot somehow became the most emotive character out of a character that only ever says three words. And that was really, really surprising. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I genuinely kind of like... The bit where, at, at the end, which again, we'll talk about in a minute, when Rocket and Groot are having that talk, I was like, I, I kind of feel sad. Oh, you didn't cry, did you? No, I didn't, obviously. Okay. Well, again, I know what happens at the end because I've read the books, but still. Okay. So I know exactly how Groot as a character works. Yes. But I absolutely adore Groot. I thought he was adorable, funny. I thought he was badass. Like, when he kind of outshines Drax in a particular fight scene, yeah. you're doing a good job. And yeah. then, of course, Vin Diesel voices him, which is lovely. I just <laughs> like that. Which is lovely. Yeah. So gritted teeth. No, because he's like, obviously we all know him as like, when he was a voice actor, he did the Iron Giant. That was awesome. And he was kind of like getting like... He's a reluctant... Well, he's a, a, a shy away nerd. Yeah. He's such a Dungeons and Dragons freak, you would not believe. <laughs> he's wrote like four words for like loads and loads of Dungeons and Dragons books. He used to play in tournaments. He's like Sweet. really good. Like, there's an interviewer, he always does, like, whenever he does a round of films, obviously the same interviewer comes in from this website, and he always opens with a Dungeons & Dragons questions, like, you've got this situation, how would you do it? And then he spends the first five minutes of any interview explaining how he would do it all. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think he's going to be ridiculously happy that he got to finally be in a superhero movie. Maybe you like for somebody with a little more range than three words, yeah. but for, for, the, for, for a person who only says three words, you're right, you feel empathy for him. You laugh along with him, you find him like, you're like, dude, it's Groot's badass. It's... Yeah. yeah, he, again, there is no weak link in this ensemble. You look at the Avengers even, and you could say, we knew next to nothing about Hawkeye. Really, yeah. fairly speaking. And you can kind of tell that they had to make things for the Black Widow to do, because, again, you just think of the circle shot of them all, yeah. and it's like, Hulk you know man inside walking tank literal god the greatest human being who's ever lived and girl with pistol yeah. <laughs> it's like you know they, but they, no one felt like the weak link in this team Everybody that was a good thing but this time you even go through you just go loser from earth loser from wherever the rocket raccoons come from yes. loser from the royal tree family loser who's got tattoos loser who's got a sword like <laughs> This is even. Yeah, they're all equally crap. <laughs> yeah, and then all equally good, ah. which was weird. Uh, speaking of maybe not so good, I want to talk about the villains. Okay. Now, I will preface this by saying the criticisms I have here apply to a lot of Marvel movies. For example, my criticisms here could apply to Thor The Dark World. I'm going to use that as a very specific example in a moment. I kind of feel I know where you're going. Um, uh, it kind of applies to Iron Man 3, it applies to Iron Man 2, it kind of applies to Iron Man 1 somewhat, um, in that the villains were scary. We're not children, we're not going to be scared by comic book villains. Yeah. But they were, they were mean, you kind of got his deal, but the problem with Ronan, I don't think he's called Ronan the Accuser at any point in this movie. They, they once... Oh, somebody, somebody says the accuser ah, as okay. opposed to just Ronan apart from that it's always Ronan I keep calling him Ronin you have to correct me on that one yeah well to be fair no one called Korath Korath the pursuer but that's who he is true okay so so I'll phrase this as the question what was Ronan's deal Michael? in the movie yeah what was it, what was his deal what was he about right he's a Cree fanatic well essentially his race is Cree mm-hmm. he's a fanatic he's kind of hell bent on delivering judgement and getting revenge that's kind of his bag revenge for what um, the I believe in the movie it's sort of like summarised as like the mass slaughter of Cree because okay. because essentially Cree the Cree are a militarised nation mm-hmm. now there are kind of like people who stray away from that in the books obviously the most notable being Captain Marvel who becomes mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, uh, and that's what leads 
a lot of these fights. Now, the Kree in the books have fought with loads of different races. The Zandarians is one of them who show up in the movie. Obviously, the homeworld of the Nova Corps. Yeah. They fought with the Skrulls. They fought with the Badoon. They fought with everyone. The Badoon? There's a, you will see the Badoon in the sequel, I guarantee it. Okay. Absolutely guarantee it. Look forward to the Badoons. Badoon. Yeah, but no. But that's this the, the thing. The Badoons of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> that's sound of the subtitle. <laughs> Hopefully it is. But no, the, the deal with the Kree is that they're a warmongering nation, but they always take everything... They're very serious. There's no such thing okay. as... Like, and Ronan, in the books, has been known to deli- like deliver these big ultimate battles and push mm-hmm. for them. And when he loses, he doesn't like it. And his big thing in the book is justice, whereas this movie was much more revenge. Okay. So, in conclusion, you have a man annoyed at the treatment of his people... That's correct. Who uh, is going to exact vengeance by destroying um, by destroying a planet, essentially. essentially. yeah. Is that any different from Malekith the Accursed in Death of the Dark World? Oh, well, there we that go. That is literally point for point what Malekith is. Is that any different from the Frost Giants in the first four movie? That, Not really. Plot for plot. All, this is, again, to all Marvel movies have a deep-rooted problem in that... The only two villains that Marvel has that they gave any amount of time, thought, characterization, or anything at all was Loki. And that's why he was in the Avengers and has kind of carried the weight he has. And the Red Skull. And they killed the Red Skull straight away. Yeah. They, spoiler alert again. <laughs> yeah. So, outside of that, you could literally swap and change any one of the villains from any of the other movies and it would not make a blind bit of difference. It's just they say it's all the same. Only the names have changed, to quote the great philosopher J.B. Jovi. Um, yeah, yeah, we're quoting John Bon Jovi. So, I thought Ronan looked good. I liked some of the things about him, but I had no empathy for him. I wasn't scared of him. And uh, there was no connection there. It was just kind of like... I know it's an Origins movie. You want most of your focus on the character. But I do feel it's someone they could have given characterisation to. They could have given him empathy had it, this been the sequel. What you ideally want for the first movie is just a big stupid thing to go and punch. Essentially, essentially though, Ronan couldn't carry a sequel because the, the the little good that Ronan does do in the books and when he... Um, I mean, in the books he becomes part of a team called the Annihilators and they are essentially the biggest badasses in the cosmic Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, the, this team could take on Galactus and win and he's part of that team. Right. It's that level. Um, but they kind of did kind of abuse that character and sort of say, we need someone who's kind of a bit nutty. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just get Ronan in. We've established that the Kree exists in this universe. We can set up a lot of stuff for the future. Okay. But he couldn't carry a sequel. Imagine this film did Gangbusters, which it's currently doing Gangbusters, yeah. but say the villain was the Collector, for example. Yeah, yeah. There is no... Uh, coming off the back of the Collector, maybe you could get Ronan to work in a sequel. We all know what's coming in the sequel... Yeah. Which we'll talk about later. Um, but there's no way you would ever match up with that. Ronan is not that good of a character, even in the books, okay. to be a sequel-level villain. But what we got in the film wasn't that bad. I don't know whether I completely believe Lee Pace as Ronan. I don't know whether he embodied the character all that much. Because most of his time was spent putting on a gruff voice. Yeah. Uh, but y- your, it worked. Your points are all valid. I just think... Because, again, you look at Loki and you think... He's the he shows that there is no excuse for not having a villain that you shouldn't feel something about. Which really was the weird thing about Nebula, which See, is Karen Gillan. Now, in the comics, I didn't like her. Mm-hmm. In the movie, there were bits I did like. Not a lot, but there were bits I did like. I enjoyed the whole, the weird sibling rivalry that she shared with Gamora, because it was it was like she she says oh. She's kind of driven by a hatred and fueled off that. But Gamora, she says, flat out in the film, I hate you the least. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird. Cause it's like, that's a weird way to express love to someone you're about to blow up. True. But again, I think my my criticisms of Ronan can also apply to Nebula. I keep thinking her name. I keep wanting to call her Ursula, <laughs> which is Phoebe's twin sister from Friends. Um... I, I, I felt nothing. She was just the one with the purple thing down her face. So I just... I, I just wanted somebody. 
anybody that I could have felt a bit... They gave her more than Ronan because they gave her the connection to Gamora. But again, give it six months and I won't be... If, if someone said, name a great superhero villain, I don't know how long down the list I would have to go before I hit Nebula and, and Ronan the Accuser. They were just... And you'd have to go even further to hit Korath. Korath was a non-entity in this movie. Who was, was Korath? Yeah, that that was reaction... Korath the... The black guy with yeah, the, yeah. the stuff it. on his head. Oh, yes. Yeah, you'd have to go pretty far down the list before Korath yeah. is met well, on that. I think we forgot to mention somebody, which I think I'd like to touch on because I want to get your opinion on it. Yeah. Who was the blue guy who was after Star-Lord? Ah, Yondu. I, I want to call him Ua, but <laughs> Yondu. Yeah, Yondu. He's probably a better choice. Um, Yondu's probably, the if, the if there was sort of like a first act villain, he's probably the best one. Now, that was the point I was going to make. I didn't feel great connection to... Yondu. But... Yondu. At least did something that made him remember. He had a character. You know, he wasn't just man who stands in dark room and says dark things. He had a character. He was flawed. There were things, you know, he was a little bit stupid, but he was kind of badass with that whistly spike thing. Um, Funny enough, that was a really good spin from the comics because in the comics, Yondu is a magical archer, but yes. actually uses the bow and arrow. Right. But can recall the same arrow and only ever carries one arrow. That is right. Mm-hmm. I like what they did of like getting rid of the bow and having it like a magical arrow. Unique thing. That the scene where that is shown off is wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. So there it is. It's not hard. You can do this. You just have to give them a few quirks outside of they're annoyed and they're going to go and do bad things. Which, again, could describe Ursula. <laughs> Nebula, Nebula, yes. Nebula, Ronan the Accuser, Malekith the Accursed, the big guy from Thor the Dark World. Curse. Um, curse. Etc, etc, etc. Right, I think that's it for characters. Well, I mean, like, notable mentions for, like, John C. Riley as Roman Day and yeah. Seraphinowitz as, oh, God, Sarlacc. No, not Sarlacc. Uh, Sarlacc. No, that's wrong. Uh, it's... Another Nova Corps member. Space guy. Space, space British man. Well done to um, Cruella de Vil as well for being space woman in charge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Glenn Close's Nova Prime was wasted in like one scene. It was really bad. Yeah, she wasn't in it a lot, but... She pretty much just showed up for that line in the trailer. <laughs> I'm here also. Here's the Nova Corps. Thanks. Look at them! <laughs> Behold them, bye! <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, okay, I think now we don't have to dive into spoilers just a little bit. So here's your spoiler well, alert. Let's just have a little quick touch. Okay. We liked the action. We liked... Uh, we've kind of touched on the plot already, but yeah. we liked that as well. So for those who are going to be leaving us now, I think we both wholeheartedly agree that you should go and check out this movie yeah. as soon as possible. If you're a Marvel fan, even if you're just a sci-fi guy, I'd say if you're not really into either of those genres you might get a little lost because there is a lot of information thrown at you in this first movie it's never really done in like we overwhelms you but if you once or twice i was a little bit like right who's this guy and where are we going and nothing that wasn't like almost instantly like oh okay you know we're going to get your place back it's it's one of those films where i can recommend it to most people which is good it's one of those films i say you'll definitely get more out of it if you enjoy sci-fi and you will get a ride out of it if you enjoy Cosmic Marvel. So, yep. your recommendations are across the board. Okay, we're now going to dive into spoiler territory. And which spoiler would you like to do first, Michael? Shall we get Thanos' scene out of the way? Yes, well, I don't think Thanos is too much of a, a spoiler because it was widely known that he was going to have yeah, yeah, yeah. an appearance in this movie. But this is what I was surprised at, how quickly they got it out of the way. Like, everyone was like, there's going to be a scene with Thanos, Josh Brolin's going to be voicing him. What we didn't expect is he shows up 20 minutes into the movie with uh, motion capture by Josh Brolin, hmm. and also they kill off the other from uh, the end of the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, just straight up snap his neck. It's like, oh, the Chitari, well, screw that. Yeah, bye, Jerry. I'll be didn't form any emotional attachment to those people. Not that you could. <laughs> no, it was very hard to, because <laughs> they were anything other than just lackeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a quick question that just occurred to me, yeah. right? Did Ronan have access to all of the Kree army? Uh, or was it all drones that were see, doing all, all these fighting? all that fighting? stuff, th- those um, soldiers just say weren't Kree, which was really weird. I don't know what the hell they were. Oh yeah, the they were like they were. lizardy people. Yeah, I don't know what the hell they were. I'll be honest, I like Cosmic Marvel, I couldn't tell you what the hell they were. Let's just say they were like 
the Chicharis kind of country were, bumpkin cousins. <laughs> they were they were the putties from. Uh... They were oh they were so the putty patrol. Yeah. Yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> this could be their origin story. <laughs> wow, what a crossover oh, that God, would be. Remember, could you imagine that? It's like. It's no use, we can't defeat Thanos. Oh, yes! yes! It's the best movie ever! Anyway, back to Thanos. What did you think of the scene? I have... Loved it. Really loved it. I liked that they didn't... Again, you're right, they didn't linger on it. It wasn't something that they spent the whole movie in. He's coming! He's got, oh, he's in the chair, he's going to turn around in a minute. Otherwise known as the Godzilla effect. No, oh, he's coming! That He was like, there he is, he's got his point across, he had the big, deep, booming voice, he looked the part... But then he was immediately taken aback. You had your little morsel of Thanos, and he's going aback. He's going to be like, at one point, <laughs> it wasn't him that turned up, it was the Chateri guy, but he appeared in, like, hologram form to Ronan. Ron yeah. I was like, what's the Emperor doing yeah. here? Because <laughs> he had the hood and the white face. I was like, okay, I know we've had one or two. Did you notice some of the Star Wars references? Yeah, The bit when he's coming through the hole back yeah. into the ship was pure Star Wars. He was kind of a Han Solo tribute act in general, Star-Lord was. Pretty much. And that was like the big like the big one for me. It was like, oh, wow, that is just the Emperor. <laughs> oh, this is a crossover that no one... They're both under Disney. It could happen. Um, see, I, 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 I could have done maybe a little bit more at the end to kind of sum up his feelings towards yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I like that they're going for the whole Thanos thing. It's like, he's an ever-present force. And you know that when it all goes down in possibly Avengers 3, possibly Avengers 4, we don't know where it's leading, it's going to go down big time. And they're going to have spent a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, but several movies building up. He's essentially going to be the dark reflection of what Nick Fury ended up being. Because we never really spent a lot of time with Nick Fury for the Avengers. But you come Avengers minute one, you see him, you know everything there is to know about Nick Fury, despite only spending maybe in total 15 minutes in the presence of his character you know what I mean yeah. you knew all about him you had his motivation to that can be Thanos um, what didn't we touch on in the spoilers we have the post credit scene yes do you want to talk about that let's now? talk about it now okay actually let's talk about one a couple of the things because another person in the post credit scene is the dog now I take it you don't know who the dog is is it the Russian dog they sent up? Correct. It's Cosmo the Space Dog. Okay. And I love Cosmo the Space Dog. He's one of my favourite characters from the book. Oh, so this wasn't just like a... No, no, no. This guy's a fully-fledged character in Cosmic Marvel. He's been a sidekick to Nova. He's a member of the Guardians. And by the time the second movie's out, I'm pretty sure they're going to have done one for one from the book. He becomes the security officer for Nowhere. Oh, the big head. Yeah, the big head. Which, holy crap, they showed off... Um, the Celestials. They, yeah, they did. Yeah, they're they're going like all out with that. I really hate the Celestials. Oh, okay, fair enough. That is far too complicated stuff to be dealing with in comic books, and I would much rather them not have been here because they are such a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, no, but but we can Which build. Apparently, I can't say Machina. Deus Ex Machina. There we go. But we can build towards Galactus, and this is it. Very good because I'm pretty sure that Marvel Studios can now make Galactus. Stuff. I think. Because we've got Surfer back. I you think, can't have Surfer. Yeah, I think Galactus. when they renewed with, with, for the Fantastic Four, White Lives with Fox, they took... Because I think they understood that Galactus is going to be nigh on impossible. I'm still not sure they could do it. I'm actually kind of confident they can do it now. But really, really, can they have... Knowing what Nowhere is, is a big part of the Celestials and a big part of why Galactus oh, can exist. Okay. But you've got to think practical here, Michael. If they're going to do true blue Galactus, he A, has to be thousand foot tall, and B, has to be purple with the big hat. So don't do the big hat. What is the point? How are you going to get that? Hang on. How are we going to get that in a movie? May I remind you that this is a movie that, at least for five seconds, contained a cameo by Howard the Duck. Good point. But Howard the Duck is at least only three foot tall. Yeah, true. Okay. You've got to think scale. Where are they going to be able to pitch a battle against Galactus? He could be floating in space. Fair enough. But how weird would that look if they're just giant floating Galactus like stood there like (laughs) just like slowly moving forward? (laughs) That would be terrible. That would be like awful. I have yet to... I would love it to happen. Okay? Because Galactus is your end event. Even more than Thanos. You send Galactus, you know things are going to get real. But I, 
Should we just quickly touch back onto <laughs> onto Howard the Duck because it's it's the cameo that no one saw coming. I said to you because I saw this prior. I saw the movie prior to you did. I texted you like and a, said an hour or so before yeah, me. Yeah. I texted you and said I could have given you six months of thinking time, and you would never have hit on that cameo. No, even I was like, I thought it was just going to be the dogs going to come in, lick his face, and drink from the martini glass. And it would be an end. Well, I, I was guessing when Cosmo came back on, I thought, we're finally going to hear him talk. It's going to be awesome. He's going to have the, the telepathic speech ability. We're going to get the Russian voice. It's going to be badass. And then the voice I heard, I was like, that wasn't Cosmo talking. And then it cuts away and it shows you how with the duck. And it's a bit... There were genuinely people behind me. One, one bloke, I'll bleep this out for your benefit, just went, oh, f*** it out. <laughs> like, note for note, just went, oh, for f- <laughs> it was brilliant. We had people like going, "Oh, what the guy with the duck for?" <laughs> like, I was, I vaguely know the with the duck, and even I popped a little bit like, "Oh, this film is so out there." They have, again, people instantly. I saw the next day, like, does this mean a Howard the Duck movie's coming? No. no. They would not touch that with a 10-foot barge pole. George Lucas himself couldn't do a Howard the Duck movie. George flipping Lucas, who is admittedly not a very good director. He <laughs> couldn't do Day of the Duck. This was just, I think this was just like a happy little cameo. Do you know what I envision this becoming? I envision him becoming... <laughs> okay, I'm going to put this in two ways. You're okay. going to get one of these references. He's either going to be like Scrap the Squirrel... From Ice Age. Oh, the continuous joke, essentially. That he's just going to turn up at the end of every cosmic set Marvel movie. Which is in the same way to how... I can never remember his name. Um, the fat guy who turns up at the end of every Jackass movie. Yeah, The kind yeah, of yeah. camp Chris one. Pontius. No, no, no. The, the camp old guy. What's his name? I'm going to have to look Oh, that, that, that guy is like overtly... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he is, awesome. Um, I like him. Oh, what? It's Rick something. Oh, that's going to wind me up. I want you to look that up whilst the next time I go on a rant or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, he turns up and he's like, he says, it's one of the best lines at the end of Jackass 2. He goes, I drink to steady my nerves. I drank so, I was so steady last week, I couldn't move for two weeks. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, uh, I want him to be like him. He just turns up right at the end. You think, oh, wait, maybe he's not coming. Maybe it's going to be the movie where we don't get Harry. Then Harry the Duck comes, and here he is, and he's awesome, and then he goes away. I don't think he's going to be incorporated into the team, though no. I would. I, you will admit to me right now, you would love to see a Rocket Raccoon versus Harry the Duck fight. It wouldn't last long. It would be funny, but it wouldn't last long. I mean, not with guns. I mean, like they just punch the crap out of each other. That'd be quite funny. <laughs> See, this the, the thing that the Guardians does do is set up a lot for the future, which is really good. I want to draw your attention to the you know on the final fight on Xandar, you've got a big ass Kree ship coming in. The you know the Nova Force have made that barrier. Loads of them die, which is great because <laughs> no 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 which no. is great no 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 because. <laughs> That is a clear setup for Nova, which is really, really cool. Admittedly, we didn't get the name drop I wanted. We didn't get like, oh, maybe we should check out Terra for recruits, or maybe we should bring in Richard Ryder, which we'd really, really like to see. But at the end of the day, like, I'm happy that we can move in that direction because although we didn't get to see a lot of how the Nova used the Nova Force for superpowers, because they didn't, they were just kind of like space police. It can at least move in that direction. It's like, oh, we've lost so many members. The Nova Force is going to be, like, you know, quite damaged. We need to get somebody who can control this kind of force. And then we can bring in Nova and we can put him as part of the Guardians or give him his own movie. It'll all be gravy. I think that the only thing that would make you happier than the Guardians of the Galaxy movie is a Nova movie. Yeah, definitely. So I was... I, I even said at one point... By the way, his name was Rip Taylor, I believe. Rip Taylor. Was that his name? Yes, Rip Taylor was the name of the fat guy at the end of um, the Jackass movies. Yeah, I I said to you before, like a week before we watched this, I said, I absolutely guarantee you Nova will have some presence in this movie. He'll either get name dropped or he will actually have been cast and he's going to be... I said I would put my house on him being the post-credit sting. Thank God I didn't lose my house to Howard the Duck. Because um, <laughs> that would have been mortifying. Um... Before I forget, I do, as we said before, I want to touch quickly on the beginning 
on the first scene. Yeah, yeah. How heavy was that Jeez. for a kids movie? <laughs> Hi, kids. Welcome to your new family-friendly movie where your mom dies of cancer in the first scene. <laughs> Oh, let's not abandon hope immediately, children. <laughs> there were tons of kids in the the film that we saw, and I, the amount of language. I don't think the mums were expecting it. Rocket Raccoon, not a nice person. He throws out quite a lot of F's and S's, and it's awesome. there was a lot of swearing in this movie. Yeah. For for it was a twelve I admittedly they didn't go PG. Like was the Avengers? No, none of those were PG, were they? But I can't yeah. think of many other instances of swearing. In the Marvel movies. No, this has been the most amount of swearing oh, in any Marvel movie. Oh, fire. Country mile, but it was just so heavy hitting. It was like the start of Up. Yeah, it <laughs> was that level, It's like it? you've come into a happy movie, and then all of a sudden it's like, cancer, <laughs> death, abduction. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, breaking mum's final wish to hold a hand. I was like, wow, Ooh. this is... Ri-. I was like, are they getting all of the emotional stuff out of the way in the first place? Because they didn't, though, did they? There was quite a lot of emotional stuff in the movie. No, I, I think... I never really felt, like, emotional. I never no, felt no. sad. I never no, no, felt... No. Okay, so quickly, because we are sort of running out of time, but yes. I quickly want to touch base on the other... The, <laughs> the, scene, the scene that did get me emotional, which was the death of Groot. Now... Temporary. Tempor- obviously temporary death of Groot. The way that Groot works in the comic books, this guy can just absolutely hammer the crap out of someone, get blown to bits, and be regrown from a single fragment. You'd think as Rocket Raccoon's his best mate, he'd have known that. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, the way the group sacrifices himself for the group and actually doesn't say just three words, manages five. Did that annoy you? No, actually. Has he done it in the comic book? Or is he, is he um, uncharted before, territory? Before they relaunched him to only say, I am Groot, he did used to say, he spoke like a normal character. Oh, okay, right. So it's not that bad. Okay. I can I can live with we are Groot. That's so fine. this isn't like... Judge Jed taking his helmet off. No, no, no. This, oh, okay. is, this isn't like, I am the law. It's not that bad. <laughs> and, uh, you betrayed uh, betray the law. Law. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but the, the point you're making about shouldn't Rocket Raccoon know this. So that would just rob that film of that point of any emotional <laughs> point. They would land and go, yeah, it'll be fine. Don't worry. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't. It'd be even better if we just went, no. Oh, wait. <laughs> what did you think of the... Of the ending, quickly, it was another movie about we have to get the magical MacGuffin before the bad guy gets it and blows up a planet. Yeah, yeah. which is exactly point for point what happened in the Avengers, and exactly point, point for point, point what happened in Thor: The Dark, Dark World. World. This, Captain America has the only like unique plots. Yeah, like, yeah. even then, Captain America One was about getting the MacGuffin and stopping the Red Skull from using it. But Winter Soldier is like the only one that really had like a, a plot that doesn't really fit into any of the previous molds. Which was great. Anyway, shall we kind of wrap this up because we are sort of close. okay. We well, I just want to quickly touch on the on the ending when they okay. when they grab hold of the thing. Yeah, yeah. And the the oh, the, 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 the guardians of the galaxy, bitch. I knew awesome. that would have popped a big reaction from you. That was I, cool. You must have been giddy. That was cool. It was cool. It was a good. It was a. I felt like that's a badass ending. Oh, and, kind of stupid. And dropping the whole he's only half human thing, which like you know. Yeah. It's it's in the newer books and I don't like it, but it's not a big enough gripe well, for me left, to go off. On they left one. him with the unless, to... of course, the villain in the next movie is um, his dad. Is his dad? Yep. Which is uh, Jason of Spartax, which wouldn't work. Jason of Spartax. Yeah. Why does everyone get a title? The Accuser of Spartax. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Where's the people who have like, the boring title? <laughs> what Jeff, the God of Biscuits? <laughs> like George, the Timely. <laughs> <laughs> Fred the organised <laughs> Jason the succinct <laughs> Graham the unconventionally handsome <laughs> We digress Thomas the man who pays his taxes on time <laughs> Seems to do yes no of other like defining characters is he's just really not tight. even a superhero. He just he just gets his taxes in on time like, really well. Um okay. Where does this rank, firstly, in your opinion, in terms of all Marvel movies, Marvel Studio movies, yeah, yeah. and then where does this rank in your overall list for the year? I've The year it's made it to the top, easy. Where in, no, 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 absolutely easy. I've not seen a film as good as this one, as, as wholeheartedly satisfying okay. as this one. The, where it ranks in terms of my Marvel movies is a bit weird, because I have to kind of go, which one did I enjoy seeing the most of the time? 
which one do I enjoy most retroactively and which one do I think is better at a movie, like mm-hmm. being a succinct movie. Okay. In terms of being its, its own entity, its own movie, if you didn't know these things were connected, it's either at the top or it's level with Winter Soldier. Okay. In terms of like the reaction I get directly after, it's hitting up there, but it's not beating the Avengers because the Avengers was just a spectacle. Yes. Just like, now we're just showing off. Now we're just going off. Yeah. But in terms of like retroactive thinking about it and thinking more and more about what I enjoyed the film and talking about it on this podcast, Guardians is hella up there. Hella. It's, I did like, after Winter Soldier, I was like, yeah, I enjoyed that. I'll be happy not seeing it until again until it comes out on Blu-ray though. Yeah. With Thor: The Dark World, I was like, if it comes out in the collection, I'll maybe watch it again. Yeah. Iron Man Three, I was like, I would be happy if I never see that film again because I really didn't enjoy it. Yeah. With Guardians, similarly to Avengers, like I have to go and see this again. Yeah. I want a second viewing. I want a third viewing. You know, if I go and see it more times of the Avengers, the question answers itself. Okay. See, I'm. I know I've been singing its praises, but I, I did have a few problems. I think, again, it's more to do with Marvel Studios having the same plot, having weak villains and stuff like that. That kind of detracted from this movie, but it detracts the same amount from most of their movies. I still don't think it was... I don't, it's not my favourite Marvel movie of them all. I think I think Avengers would still be above it. Winter Soldier would still be above it. The first four movie, I, I like For the Dark World for all the things we the bad things it said about. <laughs> I still like For the Dark World, so I'd say it's kind of it's in the middle. It did well. I really enjoyed it. I think a sequel could be really really good. Yeah, uh, and I am going to watch it again at the cinema before it comes out this year. I still think it's the third best superhero movie we've seen. I'm still going to put it behind the Winter Soldier and I thought you were going to put it X Men Days X-Men. Future Past yeah. because well X Men are your team and Guardians are yeah my exactly team, so, so you know. But, in conclusion, we both implore you incessantly, even if you're just going to see the most out of less field post-credit scene you will ever see in your life, they're a, they are never going to be able to top this unless they have, like... Introducing un- Speedball! <laughs> unless, you know, that sort of stuff. Right, okay, I'll make one exception. If, if Moldock turns up at the end <laughs> of Avengers 2, having been invented by Ultron, then okay... <laughs> that was more unexpected. But see, now I've said it out loud, it's not... Because I had no clue they were going to do Howard the Duck. Again, you could have given me a year, and I would not have come anywhere close to guessing that... I forgot Howard the Duck was Marvel, to be fair. Yeah. But, yeah, go see it for that. Go see it for the for the really good bands it finds between funny and action. Now, that's something we didn't really touch on, but we're not going to talk about it now, but... I think there was only one instance where they went from serious to funny, which was when he starts dancing at the end to distract I like that. that was I funny. laughed. I was like, I thought we were ramping up for the serious now, and then he's just doing a little dance, and Ronan's asking, what are you doing? I was like... I enjoyed that. I, I, I found it funny, so I had that reaction to it, but I came out thinking, I would have been okay if they would have just gone straight to serious. And, well, and done the whole grabbing the stone thing, yeah. I think so. But a very little way of criticism... Go ahead and see this movie. It's definitely worth your time. It's definitely worth your money. And yet, I mean, obviously we're not going to do ratings, but it's one of the best films of this year. Make sure you go and see it in cinemas and obviously try and get it on Blu-ray as part of a Marvel collection. And with that, we'll bring the review to a close. Thank you very much for listening to Popscorn's review of Guardians of the Galaxy. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye now.